You're listening to Love Starts Here, a podcast for smart, successful women who are ready to finally have the love they want and deserve. Whether your relationship status is single, dating, or it's complicated, this podcast is exactly what you need to take your love and life to the next level. And now, here's your host, certified love and life coach, Melissa Snow. Hey, everybody, welcome back to the Love Starts Here podcast. I'm Melissa Snow, I'm your host. Please forgive my incredibly sexy voice. I have been sick for what feels like forever. Um, but hopefully things are on the uphill. Anyway, today I'm super excited to share with you an interview that I did with Dr. Ali Arena. She's a communications expert. And if there's anything that is going to improve how things are going for you, chatting on the apps, meeting for the first time, having a second, third, fourth date, or even just improving any of your relationships, even if we're not talking romantic relationships, communication is it. So in this episode, Allie talks about the four main communication styles. I want you to see if you can pick out which one you are. I think it will be very obvious to you. And she talks about how we can use those to our advantage and where maybe some of our weaknesses are in those specific styles and how we can work on them to improve our communication with people who may have different communication styles than us. It's a fascinating episode, and I encourage all of you to follow Allie on Instagram for more of her content. Content because it's just such an interesting topic, and she truly is the expert when it comes to communication. All right, everybody, here's the interview. Hi, Allie. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Yes, I'm so excited to talk today about communication styles and especially how this shows up for women in dating because I think this is huge. Don't you agree? Yes, absolutely. It's like this undercover thing that we forget to think about. We're so concerned with like appearance and hobbies and all these things, but how you communicate really matters. Yeah, absolutely. So the first thing I want to ask you, we'll just dive right into it. How do you see women and men's communication styles as being different? I mean, I'm sure there's exceptions to every rule, but generally what are women's communication styles like versus men's? Great question. So yes, I agree. There's about four communication styles. Um, There's something called a captivator. This is like your very charismatic person. Like they're just, they're communicating great, right? There's something called a, a factor, which is a person who is literally like a fact finder, right? They want, they really want all the facts um, and they need that to move on. There's a style called a director, which is honestly just someone that's more direct. Um, think of a CEO or a boss. And then there's a style called a listener. And a listener is someone who listens really well, but might not advocate. So women tend to fall into more of that listener captivator area and men tend to fall more into the director factor. So there's a difference in both the directness of the communication and also how much someone's willing to listen. I would say those are the two big differences. Okay. And so how do you think that shows up like on a first or second date with women and men? Absolutely. Okay. So I, I was so guilty of this for so long. I don't even think I knew what my wants and needs were. So the thought of advocating or bringing that up seemed bizarre to me. Whereas I think a lot of men know what they like to do, know what they like to eat, have an idea of what date they would like to go on. So a way this might show up is you're going to go on a date 
and a guy's like, Hey, let's go get sushi. I was so guilty of this. I live in LA. I look like an idiot when I use chopsticks and I don't even like sushi that much, but I would be like, okay, like he picked a, he already picked a restaurant, right? Like I think of all the reasons why I can't say like, no, I'd rather actually go eat bar food. Right. So I feel like a lot of women will sort of suppress what they might actually want to do out of fear for being seen as rude or pushy or too demanding. But where this becomes an issue is let's say you guys start dating. He becomes your, your partner and you guys are still going for sushi all the time. And then later on, you're like, I don't actually like sushi. This person's going to be shocked. They're going to feel like you like bamboozled them kind of like we've gone for sushi so many times. How have you never said anything? Um, so it's little, but these moments where you can say, actually, I've always wanted to try this other place. What do you think? Right. Or throwing in other ideas is really powerful. And I think helpful for men too, when they're planning dates, like, Oh, you actually know what you want to do. This is great. I'm just going to go do that. Right. Yeah. I think the majority of time they want to give you what you want. They want to make you happy. They want you to be impressed. And if you can tell them here's exactly how to do it, they probably appreciate that. I would think. I think so too. I think where women Megan in their head, and again, I've been guilty of this is a really direct woman is typically labeled as a bitch, right? Mm-hmm. So we do have this, I think, pretty subconscious uh, fear or thought that if I'm asking for too much, it could be perceived negatively, where they actually show in a lot of dating uh, research that men don't actually know what they're doing with dating a lot either. So if someone was handing them a roadmap or telling them, yeah, I want this, it's super helpful. Yeah, for sure. Where do you think this comes from? I mean, we could probably dive into hours of destroying the patriarchy right in this podcast, but, but overall, where do you think that it comes from? You know, I think it's like the type of household you grew up in, right? If it was slightly more old school where a woman listens to her husband, right. Or a woman's meant to do certain things. So I definitely think there's patriarchy at play here. Um, you know, we're only now starting to talk about like women in um, more powerful positions, right? Like pay gap. Like there's just so many parts of us where we've been told pretty early on your needs matter, but not as much. You don't need, you don't need to be communicating them all the time. Right. Um, I remember one time a girlfriend said this to me and I was like, "Whoa, that's such a good point. Her husband goes golfing like every weekend. It's like seven hours. She would literally have to prep him for three weeks to be like, I'm leaving you for seven hours with our children. And you know what I'm saying? Like, it's just, and for him, that's such an automatic, like, I like to golf. I want to see my friends, right? Like, and I'm not trying to make men sound simple, but I do think it's that simple in the fact of like, this is what I want. This will make me feel good. I should go do that. Yeah. So what suggestions do you have? I'm thinking of people that I know listen to this podcast and I know we have some listeners and who are maybe not as good at being assertive and asking for what they want and need. And they worry a little bit more about taking up space and being seen as difficult or needy. Um, so let's talk about them first. What advice do you have for them when it comes to communication and dating? 
So it's not even so much about the communication at that point. It's the the confidence to be able to communicate, right? Mm -hmm. So I think it's getting really clear on what you want and what you dislike, which again, sounds simple, but can be really hard for women. I know so many women in their thirties who are like, I don't know, I just worked really hard and now I'm here and I don't even know what my preferences are. So to get really clear on that and then the more you stand up for yourself and the more you just say these little things that would make your life easier, it easier it gets because you create the confidence. Um, I really love, you know, like yes and statements or no, but like, no, I can't go to dinner this Friday because, you know, in your head, you'd have to actually rearrange everything and it would, you know, upend your life. But I would love to see you and go on a walk Saturday morning, right? Just that little, like I'm saying no, because it doesn't work for me, but I still want to see you. Yeah, that's really good. And one of the things that I tell my clients a lot about boundaries is that when it comes to asking for what you want and need or saying no to something or something that you don't want and don't need, women often think that setting a boundary is about controlling someone else's behavior. It's about telling them what to do or what not to do. But really what we're talking about in communicating and being assertive in this way is about asking for what you want, what you need, what makes you more comfortable, what makes you feel less stressed. And it's authentic, right? So like, let's, let's go back to the sushi example. You keep going for sushi you are going to hit a point where you're annoyed that you're still having sushi and you are going to come across in a way that might be like defensive, annoyed. Right. And, and at that point, it's pretty subconscious because to your point, you've kind of violated a boundary to yourself of, I didn't want to do this again, but I didn't say anything. And I don't want to make it a big deal. Your body will make something a big deal for you before you can consciously do it. So if you let someone do something that you don't want enough, your body does react. You will kind of have an eruption. And I think, you know, boundaries, people often see that as a selfish thing when mm-hmm. it's, it's truly not. It's just giving a container for what works for you. And like we said in the beginning, people appreciate roadmaps. Like it's so much easier to know what someone wants and needs, what time they're able to give. Um, when my husband and I first started dating, I, I learned pretty early, like he's not going to move going to the gym just because I had a bad day and I want a glass of wine, right? Like that is his thing that he's doing. And it honestly was helpful. I stopped. I didn't expect it then. I wasn't wishing he would change his mind. I just sort of realized like that's what he needs. And now knowing him for years, I'm like, oh, he does need that. That's a very good mental health thing. The difference was I would change my plans all the time. So that's another thing. When you don't really stand up for yourself or you change your plans, you expect it of other people. They don't know you're expecting it because they don't know that you're doing it. And that's when you start to get resentful. A hundred percent. Yep. So what about the women who fall more into the director role? Like, I know there's a lot of women who listen to this podcast who are a little more in that masculine energy of I'm always in charge. I always decide what we're doing. I'm very comfortable asserting myself about any little thing that I don't like. Um, How can they work that to their advantage when they're dating? So I think that's a beautiful thing, right? Knowing, being able to communicate what you want. However, I do think to 
I would caution someone to bring that down to 70% sometimes when trying to really feel to, to, to be in union with someone where I think sometimes that personality is to check themselves is let's say you're like, you know what? I don't want to plan our date this weekend. Can you just, can you just figure out the vacation? Right. And your partner goes to do that. And it's not what you would have wanted. It's not bad, but it's not the, maybe your bougie standards. You can't, uh, I wouldn't give feedback in a direct kind of like I'm annoyed way. I would take a step and be like, well, what I actually wanted was to not have to plan everything. And this person did do this. Um, and maybe afterwards have a little like come together of actually hotel rooms are more important to me than, you know, whatever. Um, but just to honor, like, you know, if you are direct all the time, you also are setting a precedence of I'm just constantly in charge and I'm going to do everything. So you might on the other end, start to resent someone for, well, you aren't ever doing anything. You're never bringing something to the table. You're never bringing a topic to the table, but you may have subconsciously kind of shown them. You don't need to, I'll do all the heavy work. Mm -hmm. Yeah. My sister and I have a favorite quote, not like that. Like we'll be like, Hey, can you make dinner? No, not like that. <laughs> can you please vacuum? Mm -mm, not like that. <laughs> but the problem is they might not want to vacuum there. They might just be like, Oh, well you, this is what I hear a lot from women. Oh, well you do it better. It's like, yeah, I do, but I still want you to right. vacuum because I don't want to. Right. I just don't want you to do it like that. I want you to do it. Like I would have done it. <laughs> right. And then as we're laughing about it, we both know, like that doesn't actually help us in getting a goal of someone, you know, helping us with cleaning. So no, that's the best way to guarantee he never vacuums again. <laughs> right. right. And that you get the, yeah, but you're so much better at it. Yeah. 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 Translation. I don't want to hear your critique of my vacuuming. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that also to your point about the direct communicators goes back to the idea of knowing what you want, knowing what's acceptable to you. And one of the things that I talk to my clients about a lot is like, you have this category of things that you absolutely must have in a partner. You have this category of things that you absolutely cannot have in a partner, but there's a lot of room in the middle for things that you may not be crazy about, but you're willing to tolerate. And so I think maybe I would challenge those in that director role more often to move some things into that. I'm not crazy about this, but I'm willing to tolerate it um, as opposed to you know, having these very strict standards for you're in or you're out. I, I mean, I think that whole toleration zone is such a beautiful, I mean, that's love, right? Right. Like at its finest, right. Just sort of that balance of tolerating and not tolerating. And that's why it's so important to figure out what you want and need. Like, um, my husband does plenty of things that literally annoy the crap out of me, but he knows that I need like a hug at the end of the day. And like, I'm big words of affirmation girl. And he does that. Like he, he has fulfilled that need. So when he does other stuff that drives me nuts, cause we're, we're both working at home. I at least have that anchor. And I've been very clear on that's my, like, I have to have that. Right. Yeah, I agree. So is there anything else that you would add before we wrap up as far as communication styles? Um, behaviors when it comes to dating for women who I feel like there's a lot of women that listen to this podcast who have really great, they think really great first and second and third dates. And then things kind of 
fizzle out? Do you have any advice for them of things that they could be looking at or doing differently? So I think a lot of people go into their first dates with first, second dates, thirds with the past already. Like online dating is, is not easy. It's not all that enjoyable. There are plenty of horrendous moments. It's work, it's energy. I hear you on all of that. If you're going into the date though, that person feels that even if you don't think they do, they're, they're getting that from you. Mm -hmm. And I would caution people to remember, I'm not marrying you or ending up with you because you're really good on paper. When I interviewed you, like I'm happy someone goes to an elite college, right. But that, that actually isn't the thing that's going to end up in a long-term relationship. Right. So to kind of remember that, like on those first and second dates, it's more important to have like stories about your life that show who you are, right? A little vulnerability as opposed to your your interview, your uh, resume of who you are. Right. Yeah. As you're saying that, I'm thinking about I'm getting married in December and working on writing our vows. And it's like, that's not the stuff that you put in your vows. Like all the stuff that you thought that you had on your list of like, things I have to have. I've told this story before on the podcast and everybody thinks it's hilarious. When I used to be on match.com, you could like narrow down what you wanted on match, right? Like, don't show me any redheads. Don't show me anybody with glasses. Like you could be that specific. And every time I did a search, I was like, don't show me any bald guys. (laughs) And who am I marrying? (laughs) A bald guy. But it's like that. And that's not like when you write your vows, it's not like, I love so much that you went to this college and I love so much that you make over a hundred thousand dollars a year. And you know, like, that's not the stuff. No, I, um, in my vows, I literally wrote, I love how you've made food shopping fun. I hate (laughs) shopping. I hate like I organization, all that (laughs) is not great at. And my husband somehow like made it a game and it's like joking and it's just fun. And that, that was one of my moments that I was like, Oh, you're a really good person. Like you're just kind and we get each other. And that's, that's important. Yeah. And I think there's so many of those things that you discover when you're dating that you want that you didn't even know that you wanted. Yeah. So I think that to that point also to not block yourself off before you even go into a date. I've been so guilty of this. Like I went into a date kind of being like, I don't, I don't think I like this person, but I'll just go. Cause they asked me. Right. Right. But again, you're already giving off that vibe. Like even if you're, again, your body shows things that you might not think you are, but you might be giving off that nonverbal communication. So it's just something to think about. Yeah. And if you think about it in the opposite, like who wants to go on a date with a guy who's like, mm, I'm pretty sure I don't like her. I don't want to go on a date with that guy. No. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much, Allie. This has been super helpful. And I will put all of your information in the show notes so that if anybody else wants to reach out and connect with you and find out more about what you do and how to work on their communication styles so they can improve really all of their relationships, right? Because this isn't just about dating. This is everything. Yeah. The way you communicate really does impact what what you get back in the world. Cause I really think you have to be able to ask and communicate that. So thank you so much for having me. 
Thanks for listening to the Love Starts Here podcast. For more tips, tools, love and support, be sure to join the Love Starts Here Facebook group. To learn more about how you can work one-on-one with Melissa to take your love and life to the next level, visit www.lovestartsherecoach.com.